Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host, uh, folks. So glad to be with you today. Uh, Expo is upon us. Very, uh, very excited to have all of our speakers uh, coming on the show. Um, today, we've got Matt Kuyper on the show with Harpeth Painting. Uh, Matt has been has become a pretty good friend of mine over the years as we've you know ran into each other at different conferences. Um, he and his wife Maggie run uh, Harvard Painting down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Had a pleasure of hanging out with them. They took me to a cool uh, hip little joint down there, and um, really excited to have him on the show. Uh, if you have not registered for Expo yet, folks, you got to do that. Time is running out. Um, February 22nd through the 24th, uh, 2023 this year, it's going to be in Albuquerque. Go to PCAPaintEd.org backslash expo. Um, if you want to catch this show on, uh, other podcast channels, uh, maybe you subscribe on Apple podcasts or Spotify or Google podcasts, uh, go check that out. Or if you want to catch the video, download PCA overdrive where you can get 500 hours of video content, $5.99 a month for non-members free with your PCA membership. Go to PCAPaintEd.org to download it or find it on the App Store. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation, actually, because uh, for, for those of you who are um, you know, part of our Facebook community, the Paint Ed group, um, you, you probably have, have heard of the Kuipers and you know that they are um, really successful in the commercial painting space. And when it comes to the groups that we have out there, um, the vast majority of us are residential repaint contractors. And I know that there are a lot of you who have questions about how to make commercial work a more active part of your um, your service offering and, and, and part of your, your revenue stream. I have those same questions too. You know, I've, uh, I've been a res residential guy for most of my career. I get commercial work from time to time, handful of projects a year. Uh, they kind of, they just kind of fall in my lap every now and then, but I would not say that I'm strictly a, a commercial, uh, painter. And, uh, but you know what? I'd like to be. So I'm really excited to have him on the show so I can ask all the questions that I have. Um, so yeah, so check that out. Um, keep, keep listening is what I'm saying. Um, one more thing before I, before I go, uh, just remember my book Sprint is available on amazon.com. Go ahead and search for, uh, Torlando. Um, this is a, this is a production manual really, and it will help you produce better jobs. I think that it, I mean, I know that it works in the handful of commercial jobs that, that I've been doing. I'm ready for this conversation so that I can put it to the test and see how well it does on the big, on the big scale. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on Matt Kuyper 
from Harpeth Painting, who will be speaking at Expo. Let's welcome Matt to the show. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. That was a great intro. Uh, almost felt like a late night infomercial, a little, little ticker on the bottom. <laughs> I feel like I need to get my credit card out and buy something right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll figure that out. It's, it's, it's all cash on delivery, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Free shipping and handling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so how are you doing, my friend? Good. Good to see you. Excited to chat. Yeah, yeah. Are you excited for your, uh, for your uh, presentation at Expo? Yeah, I actually am. Um, I think the nerves have been replaced by excitement. That's a good place to be. That's yeah. a good place. Not not everybody could do it. And and uh, yeah, as we were talking before the show, um, I think that the content is is going to be really really powerful to um, to people, especially those who um, are are desperately figure trying to figure out how to get into commercial. Because I think that what we all know in, in the back of our minds is that there's a real big financial opportunity in commercial. But I think that for a lot of us, we're just so unfamiliar with the process of getting the work and, um, and where to start. Um, you know, I have so many questions for you today, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to jump into this. Um, can you, so, so can you give us just a little bit of background about um, Harpeth, kind of where you began, you know, what made you choose commercial and, and where you are today in that journey? Yeah, so I'll try to keep this brief as most bios really don't interest anybody <laughs> out of college. I worked for a uh, commercial contractor slash developer as a project manager. Uh, and they built all commercial work and smaller companies. So I was exposed to a lot of really cool things at a young age and learned quickly, had to learn quickly. Yeah. And that's really where my introduction into the commercial painting and construction market came from. Um, fast forward through a couple jobs, recession, things like that. Uh, got the opportunity to work for a larger commercial painting contractor here in town in Nashville. And that's really where I fell in love with the painting industry and was doing project management and estimating um, about three or four years there. And um, man, that was also kind of a trial by fire job. It wasn't necessarily... Um, you know, here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. It was kind of figure it out on your own. Right. Which, again, that kind of accelerates learning when you got to do it yourself. Um, left there, had a two-year non-compete. So I went back into the project management world of general contracting. Again, mm -hmm. just kind of being more exposed to that and went back to hiring painting contractors instead of being <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and the opportunity slowly came around of, of people asking me, hey, I heard you're going to start a painting company or ex-employees saying, hey, I'll come work for you if you ever start a painting company. And it really yeah. wasn't on my mind at first. It, yeah. it was kind of these things kept coming up and I was being prodded. And it's like, wow, maybe this might be the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So, where where um, did you hear that? Where did you hear I was starting? Who told you? <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and had the opportunity because of how flexible my day job was to start doing some side projects and start the business as a, as a side hustle. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I did that for about a year and realized, wow, this could, this could be my day job. This could be pretty sweet. Yeah. So yeah. 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 20, 
17, took the full-time jump, and it's it's and here you are, Mister Moneybags over here. It's not a long period of time, but it's been a. I feel like it has been sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so give us some context of the of the types of projects that you do as in 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 the commercial space. So we'll do everything from a small restaurant build out, a little office build out. Um, to our largest project to date, which we're on right now in Ohio, which is uh, approaching a $2 million contract at a, a dog mm. food manufacturing facility that's being constructed up there. A lot of uh, industrial type coatings. And so big, small, wow. everything in between. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I think, you know, for our listeners who are, who are looking at that, they're, they're, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're thinking how on earth would I ever would I ever be able to take on something like that? But I have a feeling you're going to kind of give us some insight on how, how we can take baby steps to, to work up to that. Because, you know, keep in mind here that, okay, yeah, you had a lot of experience prior to starting your business, but uh, you're really in your sixth year of business here. So that's, that's not a, a terribly long time. And a lot of folks have been in the business now for, for many, many years. So, um, so it's, it's possible, it's doable, and, uh, and I, I want to hear all about it. Um, starting with just the difference in how do you, how do you find the work? Because like I told you at the, at the beginning, a lot of the projects that I've gotten, they've just kind of fallen in my lap. I'm not really sure how exactly I, I, I got those jobs. I did do some business-to-business -business marketing and sales in the software space, so I have an idea of how I would go about it today, but... I really want to hear from you. Like where, if I want to just like target and find those commercial jobs, where do I begin? Mm -hmm. So one thing I want to make clear is that I think primarily we're going to talk about commercial new construction. I think if okay. we were talking about commercial repaint, it relates a lot more to your typical home service residential repaint guy. So Got it. everything we're talking about here today is going to relate to new commercial construction, just as a clarifier. Okay. Thank you. Thank um, you. Sure. The, uh, I, I got to kind of put myself back in my shoes 12 or 15 years ago. And the, the thing that I found most valuable was targeting a handful of contractors that, you know, that have a good reputation that are building the kind of projects that you could see yourself doing. And then really, going out there, knocking on their door, asking to take them out to lunch. First things first is just getting on the bid list. And, and once you look at that first job, say, Hey, you know, you can even be very vulnerable and say, Hey, this is new to me. Let's sit down. Let's have lunch. Let's talk about this. Where did our prices land? Is this a job you guys are doing? Um, you know, can we, can we negotiate it? Where are we at? And, and starting to build that relationship there. This is a, it's yeah. a longer runway if you're just getting into the industry. Again, I think I had a little bit of a shorter runway having some experience in this market prior. Um, but anytime I, I want to target a new contractor, it goes back to the same thing. Go visit them, yeah. get on the bid list, do one of the bids, go sit down for lunch, go, if they're that kind of guy, go out and grab a beer with you, even better. But yeah, if, yeah. You can't just get on the dodge list or the building connected and start shooting out 
10 bids a day to random people and expect to get any of that work. And if you do, <laughs> I hope you're prepared to lose some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You're just yeah, going with I a think, little bit at that point. Right. Right. And that, and that definitely, I think tracks with my experience in B2B where it's, where, you know, it's a little bit longer of a game. Like you, you have to, you know, you have to identify who it is that you want to work with. Um, you, you know, I think what I would, if you're going to research this, I would look at account-based marketing, um, which is a style mm -hmm. of marketing where you identify and target specific accounts and you do, uh, there's just a number of activities and touch points and things that you do to warm them up to the point of creating a relationship. Um, you don't necessarily want to, you know, always pitch, pitch, pitch. Like, I mean, like Matt said, like, yeah, if you can grab a beer with them or, or go grab coffee or lunch or something like that, whatever you're comfortable with, um, it's, it really starts there in the context of like, Hey, we're, we're fellow business owners here. We're fellow people in the same space. We can, there's a mutual benefit that we can provide each other. And I think when those opportunities come along for you to bid, um, then just it's that being top of mind and, and them getting to the point of them actually kind of rooting for you in a way. Like, yeah, you know, if, if you could get them to the point of saying, I'd really love to work with you on this project, I think that's a good place to, to, to be with a, with a person. And it's what problem are you solving for them? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes they are just price conscious but other times you have to determine what you're really good at in your business. Um, I know one of our, one thing that we're really good at is commercial vinyl wall covering or industrial coatings. And if we can say, Hey, you know, we're going to have, we're going to blow the schedule out of the water on this wall covering project. Cause we, we kill at that. It's like, you know, there's, there's some value to that you're solving their problem. You're not yeah. just saying, hey, I want to give me a job. Give me a job. That doesn't right, do right, 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 right. So let's say I get one of these, you know, guys on a on a lunch. Um, you know, what what should be my kind of objective of this lunch? Like, is it, you know, is it purely relationship building? Should I be trying to, you know, get a get a project or like what should I be looking for? How should I direct this? lunch conversation? Uh, this may be a fault. I'm not sure, but I almost never ask for the project or ask for the job. I mm -hmm. make it relational or ask questions of, Hey, what are you guys looking for in this project? Is this, how's the owner on this job? Is he good to work with? Is it a tight schedule? What problems are you facing? Get them to talk about the, their project and their job. I almost never say, Hey, you know, I'd love to have this job. I think, I think we can do it, whatever. I haven't found that to be a good relationship building tool. Yeah. So it's almost like you're just kind of talking about work. Like what, you know, mm -hmm. what are you guys, uh, what are you guys working on these days? What's, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then say, what, you know, you got any, get any excited projects you're working on and they yeah. start talking yeah. about it and you're, you're not necessarily trying to get the paint work, but you're, you know, asking questions like, you know, is, is the owner of the project decent to work with, uh, you know, just, yeah, I get it. Um, just yeah. really, building a relationship. I think that, I think it's pretty obvious that, 
you know, if you if you offer a service and they're aware of what that is, then I think that it's it's fairly obvious. I mean, the last commercial bid that I did, which was um, earlier, well, we're at the beginning of the year, so it's like towards the end of last year. Um, and uh, how it worked is I ran into a guy who's like this is so like networking just based, right? So this guy I ran into, uh, he his kids are at my school. They go to the same school. They're at the they we're at a Montessori school. But they, they they're at the same Montessori school. And I think that I painted his mom's house at one point. And so we you know he had some type of initiative that he was trying to do to get, you know, more connection between, um, you know, creative businesses and stuff like this. He owns a record company is what, what he, what he does. He owns a record label. And I said, I'm interested in what you're talking about. We should grab lunch, you know? And I, and I think I said, are your kids still at Montessori? You know, just kind of that little nod to like, you know, we're part of the same tribe here. And he said, yeah, let's go grab lunch. So we, we go and grab lunch. Um, I, I don't really talk about painting at all. I mean, I think at one point I mentioned that, you know, we were running a painting company, but mostly we were just talking about being, you know, business owners, you know, just like, just kind of commiserating on it. And uh, it wasn't, but maybe two, three weeks later where I get an email from a, uh, from a GC that's doing a major renovation on their main building. And they said, yeah, the, the owner wants you to, he wants us to get you to come out and give us a bid. And so I went out, did the bid. They send plans, of course. Um, not, you know, I, I have some learning to do on bids, on uh, plans, of course. Um, but he was very helpful. I went out there. He, you know, kind of walked me around the space, looked at it, um, showed me how their plans were were. Uh, outlined and then I, you know, sent off the bid. I think I was probably a little high uh, for them in, in terms of my price, but um, but that's that's kind of how it worked. And it sounds like it's really just more of that, you know, as, yeah. <laughs> as, in terms of getting commercial work, right? Yeah, you did it perfectly. Yeah. Now whether you got well, the job or not doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah, but. that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another story. Not but close everything. Not going to close everything. I'm fine with that. But the thing is, is like, if you're telling me that's the kind of thing that it, that's what it takes to get commercial work, I'm like, that's, I could do that. That's kind of fun. Like I like going out and having lunch with people, you know, on, on company dime. I don't mind that. That's uh, that's not bad at all. So, okay. So let's, um, let's say that we're, you know, we're doing that. We're kind of doing, you know, doing our, our rounds and we've started building up a, a network of people. And, and by the way, when I was in B2B, the way that I found people was through LinkedIn, you know, they, a lot of, yeah. a lot of owners and, and people, they have professional profiles on LinkedIn. It's very easy to go in and, you know, that's how I, I do it. You know, that's how I do it today. I, you know, just a lot of LinkedIn outreach to get that initial, that initial contact, you know, yeah. to get the email so that I can start calling them or something like that. Um, but now I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, now I'm here. And that was the struggle with this job was like, okay, now I'm here. He sent me plans and asked me to do a bit off of the plans. I'm not the strongest at reading plans. Um, 
And it was a good sized job. It wasn't a giant job. Um, if you're, if I got called up for a $2 million job in another state, I might be a little bit intimidated by that. Where, where should I start? Like, is it, how easy is it to get in over my head? Can I start smaller? I would definitely recommend starting smaller. Um, if, if you have a, a fail on a five or a $10,000 job, it's a whole lot easier to swallow than a fail on a half a million dollar job. Yeah. Um, we, we had the benefit of having a pretty good um, cash backlog since I had started the business on the side. So the first commercial job that we dove into was, was about a twenty or $25,000 job. And that didn't scare me because we had a little bit to fall back on if we needed to. But I mm-hmm. definitely recommend knowing, knowing what your cash reserves are, how far you can be extended before that's a problem, and then targeting the jobs that you feel comfortable doing until you can kind of get your system and your pricing figured out. Yeah, yeah, which, uh, which requires some, you know, some math and accounting because what you're, what you're talking about here is, is what I call runway. And, yep. and that cash runway, there is a date on the calendar at which point you run out of cash. And mm-hmm. you, it, it really is beneficial to go into your finances, even your, I mean, especially, you know, smaller contractors that are, you know, you know even if you're, I would say, even if you are a company that has like 10 guys, I'd say start with that personal income and that personal, those personal expenses and figure out exactly what is your monthly nut that you have to be able to bring in because with the payment terms on a lot of these commercial jobs, um, sometimes you're going to be looking at 30 to 90 days on getting paid and you have to pay your workers. Uh, you got to pay them before you pay yourself um, or else you're just not going to have workers. And so if you, if your runway can't match that, if you can't go 30 to 90 days, then you're going to have to build up your reserves and, uh, you know, before you do that. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's a prerequisite that goes without saying that you, you definitely need to have strong financial management, job costing, knowing your hourly rates, all that stuff before you even think about getting into commercial. Yeah. Everybody yeah, needs to I, do that. Anyway. Yeah, they do. I, I, yeah, they do. But that. yeah. And, and, you know, we have, I mean, with, with the residential competitors, you know, especially, um, you know, I mean, a lot of those guys are, are running paycheck to paycheck, you know, they, they, they go, they get the job, um, they get a deposit, they finish the job, they get the money, you know, same day. Um, they're running, the, the, they're converging on cash very quickly um, and they're spending it very quickly because their margins are too low. Um, but in this, in this case, in order to build up to that, you're definitely going to have to get smart about cash even before you think about this. I definitely agree with that. Now, when I was, you know, doing this, um, he, he sent me the prints and, um, you know, I've looked at prints over the years, you know, like I said, I do a handful of projects, you know, throughout the years I took, uh, I took this online interior design course. And so we learned a little bit about prints there. Um, I know the basics of prints, but I'm not like, I don't feel fluent if that makes sense. Like I feel like I'm really interpreting. And, and what I've noticed is that from contractor to contractor or architect to architect, 
a lot of times the way that the prints are are laid out and the little uh, abbreviations that they use and the way that they're drawn, a lot of times they it doesn't feel like they're giving me the information that I want in order to be able to do the job. You know, I mean, sometimes like even figuring out what the ceiling height on prints, sometimes they don't put that in the prints, and you're like, oh, how do you, how does this builder know how how tall to make these ceilings? You know, <laughs> so where where should I begin with figuring out how to how to read blueprints? Uh, well, I can make a plug for Bob Cusimano, who's doing the class prior to PCA. I yeah, have not taken sure. it, but I have heard that it's very good. Um, honestly, the <laughs> what I did was just lots of reps. You sit there, and it might take you a long time at first, yeah. and make sure you have a very big monitor, <laughs> <laughs> multiple if possible. But the more you do it, the more proficient you become. I know here in Nashville, like I know now what this architect's plans are going to look like and this architect's plans are going to look like and how they label them. It's just reps. And yeah, you can, you can ask questions if the ceiling height's not on there, shoot the PM or the estimator an email and say, Hey, I can assume these are nine feet, but what do you guys see? And it shows that you're looking at the details and, um, I don't know that there's any good online resources that I'm aware of. I'm sure there is. Uh, we use a software called stack, uh, for all our takeoff and it's very intuitive of how it files and labels the drawings. It does a lot of the, um, the tagging of the details and cut sheet and, uh, sections for you mm -hmm. easier to navigate, but just being slow and, and meticulous at first. And I'll tell you, after having done, estimating for God, I guess 15 years now, it's, it's like, I can see him with my eyes closed. It just comes. Yeah. It yeah, does take time. Yeah. yeah it it was sure. painstakingly slow at first. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, and that idea of, of asking questions and um, you know, earlier you mentioned the idea of being vulnerable. And I, I think that that is something that is, I've actually seen people like not, like not willing to do it or not even aware that they could ask the, the project manager. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was, you know, so my recent experience, that was, that was the case where I had actually gotten to the point where I, I, you know, I have gotten to the point where I feel comfortable just being like, Hey, can we meet up and look at these? Um, a lot of times when people send you over the plans, you think that you can't ask that. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, but you can't, you know, like you, you can. And, and he was really great about it. He was like, he was like, yeah, I mean, if you want, I can actually just bring you down to the, to the building. And I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> you know? Even better. <laughs> Even better. So we went down, he pulled out his, you know, his plans, the drawings, he had highlights all over the place. And he really like, he really broke it down for me. He was really, uh, kind and understanding. And, and I didn't feel bashful at all about saying, Hey, I don't, I don't read from plans that all that often. So, you know, I'm going to need help, uh, you know, understanding what your architect, how your architect draws them up. And he was very willing to, to do that. And, you know, maybe that gave him a little bit of pause about, you know, whether we could do the work or not, but I got the reps and I felt more comfortable by the end of it. So I think that for those who are really looking at, trying to break into it, um, 
it, it probably pays to be a little bit more uh, humble going in and not act like you know everything because you're, mm-hmm. if you do that, then you're not going to learn anything. You know, you can't fill a cup that's already full. If you pretend to be full, there's just no room to learn. That's right. So, you know, I'm curious, though, then about these, you know, I like the idea of starting small, but I'm very curious about how we how we scale up, you know, how like over time you're going to be taking on these bigger and bigger projects. Um, Yeah. How do you how do you wrap your mind around a project that's massive? It's really just a combination of a lot of smaller projects. Mm. So I got a bug in here. Uh, Let's see. For example, we did a project last year that was 12 stories of office, high end office build out in a high rise downtown Nashville. You could look at that as 12 projects. Mm. So when you're going through the plans, it's like, okay, we're going to start with the 12th floor and a project of that magnitude, the builder's normally going to have a schedule and you say, Hey, you know, this, if this floor is going on at this time, let's make sure the 13th floor isn't also being constructed at the same time. Cause that's going to change my manpower. Uh, so yeah, you just break it down into its smaller components. Like any right. project, you just start with one room and start adding and, and just making sure, Hey, if they want, 18 floors being built at the same time. That's a different project than if they're phasing 12, 13, 14, 15 up through there. Yeah. But, and then also just making sure, like we talked about before that your financial capacity can handle both the size of the project and the schedule of the project. If it's an accelerated schedule and it's going to be required to have 20 guys to, to keep their schedule, that's even more of a cash drain than if it's the same project, but you only need 10 guys at a time. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. So like, let's, let's talk about the, how we manage manpower on, you know, the different sizes of jobs. Um, Cause that is another thing that's very different in residential comparatively. I think in, in residential um, you know, most contractors like to keep the crew small. Um, they're nimble when they're small, they uh, there's less mistakes. There's less people to talk to. You don't have a situation where you you need a guy to be producing, but he has to. He's like your crew leader. So there's so many people that he's not actually producing. He's only supervising. And so um, I think there's some different considerations in terms of how we manage our manpower in commercial that needs to be talked about. How should I? How, you know, kind of what are your kind of principles or rules of thumb? when it comes to deciding how many people go on a project? So for a smaller contractor and a smaller project, you're typically not going to have a schedule or a well-developed schedule if there is one at all. So some of that is mm-hmm. just before, before it's time for you to be on the job site of having a meeting with the superintendent or the project manager. Say, hey, what do you guys, how long do you guys think this is going to take? What's your schedule? And if they say, oh, we need it all done in two days and you look around, it's like, well, hey, guys, that's not logical. Let's, mm. you know, I've got 300 man hours in this job. There can't be 30 guys here, you know? Yeah. So just having the conversation and, and what's reasonable and what their expectations are. Um, 
in most of these cases, you can't do it where it's just a guy and a helper. You're going to need right. at least a three or four man crew in, in most cases. Um, and on the larger projects, there's typically a well-developed schedule, even at bid time that, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, this area needs to be done by this. And you, and you can take your bid and break down your man hours and know I'm going to have to have 12 guys here from April to June. And then maybe we'll finish it with four guys after that. Cause it's transitioning down. So just breaking it down into its components and talking with the contractor and knowing what the schedule is kind of helps you get to that point of what you need manpower wise. Mm, mm. Which I think is, uh, yeah, that's a level of planning that I, I, you know, that I don't know that we're used to in, in residential, especially kind of average residential, you get into, you know, big mansions and stuff like that, then mm-hmm. there's a little bit more of that. But I think, for a lot of folks, they are uh, just kind of planning on the fly, right? You, you, you did the bid, you show up, and now we're going to do the walkthrough and come up with a plan. You're not going to be able to do that in commercial. You're going to have mm-hmm. to plan long before that job even gets put on the schedule to figure mm-hmm. out who's going to be there and for how long. And, uh, and it sounds like there's scenarios where you might have a lot a lot guys there to begin but then you might have periods where you have less um and i will say you do you need to have an infrastructure in your business to be more flexible because there are instances where they're going to call you and it makes sense for you to be there in two days like they may have screwed up or something may have happened but if you don't get there in two days you're going to get railroaded and not be able to access something mm. for better or for worse it just happens sometimes you do just need to be set up to be a little more flexible. Yeah. And yeah. Sometimes that's good. If, if you're still doing residential work as you're breaking into commercial, you might be able to pull a few guys off of Miss Joanne's house and she's not going to miss them because she doesn't care when her house is done. Yeah. So there's, there's some ways around that. Yeah, for sure. So when I'm thinking about then the, that, um, that's the contractual agreements. Um, that's another thing that, uh, I think is, is intimidating, um, at the, you know, for some, um, in other instances, just downright frustrating because the, the payment terms and the, and the way that you do contracts is so different than residential. Um, what should we be prepared for, um, in terms of the contract negotiation and um, the terms of payment. Um, man, I'm going to break this down into a little bit more detail during the expo speech, but there's a couple highlights here. One, having a, an attorney and a CPA on your side that understand construction law and construction accounting is going to be mm-hmm. really helpful because you're going to be signing the contract that they give you and you know, we work with a handful of contractors, so the contracts are all the same. But when I first get mm-hmm. one, I let my attorney look at it. And of course, he's going to tear it apart. And I'm going to send it back and they're not going to accept it. But yeah. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know yeah. what the pitfalls could be. And again, yeah. that comes down to the relationship and trust. Hopefully, you never have to pull a contract out. I've had to do it a few times. But in, in most cases, it's just been two guys talking and figuring it out. Um, yeah. But there are payment terms where 
it's, you know, we submit our invoice or our pay app and then the contractor submits their invoice to the owner and then the owner has X amount of days to pay. And then if you've completed all your compliance, then they'll pay you in another X amount of days. Again, it just comes down to being knowing what your, your cash is and can you float that and you need to build it into the cost of the job. Uh, I'm not a proponent of debt or, or anything like that. So I, I do not believe in debt financing that stuff. Mm. Um, and then on the, the invoicing and the payout. Imagine, side, imagine the Nashville guy being, uh, you know, anti-debt, right? Yeah. I got somebody <laughs> down the road from me named Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think that's I think that's really important because you know if you if you get into a situation where you know that you can't accept something greater than thirty day payment, um, then for your sake you probably should just walk away from it and be willing to. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And uh, part of the contract stuff too. Another plug. Um, Colleen Cromines has a book called "Quit Getting Screwed." And yeah, I've got that on my shelf. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying to read, but uh, <laughs> it, it's a great resource of knowing the terminology and stuff like that. Uh, and same thing on the, the invoicing and the pay app side. You're not just clicking send invoice on QuickBooks or Drip Jobs. You're having to mm -hmm. build a schedule of values, send an AIA pay app, hold retainage, there, there's some industry specific things that need to be done. And if you're not familiar with it, but you have a CPA who knows construction stuff, they can help you. They can train you to do it the first few times. Nothing scary. Right. It's just different. Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's actually kind of helpful. Yeah. Um, in the yeah. sense that you know how much to bill and it's easy to track month to month and, you know, it's just part yeah. of doing business and commercial work. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, so so let's talk about um, last thing here. Let's talk about while we're doing the job. What does the relationship with the uh, superintendent need to look like? Um, in the beginning, especially, it's everything. I I don't go to job sites anymore and and negotiate with the superintendents. My project managers do, and that's super important. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure that they're looking out for you because they've got 20 other trades on the job and they're worried about meeting the project manager and the owner's schedule. And that may, may, may not make sense for what you're trying to get done. Like, hey, there's have a conversation with them and say, hey, make sure you let us prime and first coat these walls before you put the base and the grid in. Because that's how we bid our production rates on this stuff. And he's like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely got, he may not even be thinking about it cause he's got so much other stuff going on. Mm. It's opening that line of communication. And sometimes on a bigger job where we have a, a dedicated foreman, th there's a meeting every day of making sure that the sequence, even though it's supposed to be followed a certain way, look out for yourself and, and have that conversation. And sometimes it's a difficult conversation because it means that they're going to have to put somebody else off and affect the schedule. But ultimately it's the way you can make money on these jobs is making sure you're not getting run over. And there's yeah, nice ways yeah. to do it, but sure. You have to sure, be a little yeah. bit more assertive. I think we talked about earlier about, you know, if it's like on a residential job and, and 
there's a dog running through your work area. Yeah. I mean, you keep that. You got to talk to the homer and say, Hey, you know, I know your dog wants to be out here, but you need to put him up while we're painting because he's tearing up drop cloths and putting his tail in wet paint. And that's not yeah. going to work. He's pooping in the can. I don't, I, that never happens. <laughs> Maybe it has. <laughs> I'm, you know. I'm sure it's happened to somebody. <laughs> So, so what is, if, if we, you know, for especially those who are really, really interested in commercial, if they, if they make that full transition and they, they do really well, what is, what does life look like on the other side of the rainbow here? Um, I will say I love larger projects because you're not in that rinse and repeat cycle of, I got to get to this job and get to this job the next day, get to this job the next day. Um, especially the, these, I don't know what you call it, 20,000 and up jobs. They just kind of get going and they coast and you're done and you collect and you move on. It's, it's less moving pieces. Now there's a lot more work up front, but once things are kind of going, they're just going. It's easier yeah. to manage a, a calendar, a schedule. Um, you know, we sit down every week for our production meetings with the whole company, which includes the, the residential side as well as the commercial and our team on the residential side is, you know, plugging all these little puzzle pieces and, and our yeah. commercials are like, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. That's good. And, uh, and yeah. And then if we, if we don't kind of, you know, follow these, the steps of, of what you said, just like really focus on the, the relationship based things like, I guess, what are we missing out? You know, like what does life look, life look like if we don't, if we don't incorporate commercial into our business? Um, I love having a large average job size. And I think that's what you're missing out on. Kind of like we talked before, there's, mm -hmm. there's easy ways to increase your total revenue if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And you can maintain the markups that you make in the residential world with the right contracts or contacts. Right. So if, if uh, larger size growth, potentially higher profits is what you want, then commercial is a great place to go. Okay. Now I've got my cartoon money bags in my eyes going on. <laughs> Matt, uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, we, uh, we're, you're going to be speaking at the expo. Have you, have you gotten a day yet or what, what are you going to be talking about? Uh, talk, talk to us. Yeah, I do. I, I don't have the date in front of me, but I do know, unfortunately they have put me in the large conference room, which means they're oh, expecting okay. a lot of people to be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we are talking about this same topic um, in a little more detail with some visuals and things to help you out. I don't know if you're familiar. Well, no, I'm not going to give it away yet. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be well, there. Yeah, yeah. If you have not registered for Expo yet, uh, make sure you go to pcapaint.org uh, backslash Expo to, to register, get your tickets. Uh, have, a, have a fun time in Albuquerque. Go hang out with Matt and Maggie. Is Maggie going to be there this year? Oh, yeah. Yep. You got the you got the coolest wife, man. She's she is so down to earth and chill. She's she's, she's awesome. She's actually gonna be up there like Vanna White on the stage with me. Oh, I, you better not share this uh, podcast with her. <laughs> <laughs> She'll beat you up. 
All right, man. Uh, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. I, I, I look forward to your talk. Yep. Hey, good to see you, buddy. Later. All right, there we go. Matt Kuyper with Harpeth Painting talking about getting into uh, commercial work. Um, yeah, I really did gear that that um, that that conversation towards the residential folks who are who are peaking their interest in in commercial or who like me have uh, had opportunities come in and would like to ramp those things up. Um, you know, just based off of what he talked about here, things that are coming to my mind things that I can definitely do is the relationship thing. You know, I love having lunch with people. Um, you know, I could do that. Uh, that, that seems like a really easy way to, to break in. And the best thing is that it just takes time. It doesn't take your money. So that's, um, I, I mean, that's, that's really compelling to me. Um, this idea that I can start a little smaller, that feels good to me. You know, the, the ones that are the huge, huge jobs, um, you know, maybe I, maybe, maybe I press pause on some of those build up to it. Right. Maybe you, maybe you guys could do that. Um, the thing that also kind of made me feel good was that I don't have to be a know-it-all when it comes to prints. I can, I can learn, I can be a learner. I can put myself into, in the shoes of a learner and, and talk to the project managers, talk to the, to the people and get answers to my questions. I don't, I don't mind being a dumb old painter. Okay. I can do that and, and ask questions. There's no problem with that. The thing that, that I think should probably give us the most pause, but not fear. Okay. You know, and I say fear to the extent of not acting, but the most pause is around the, the contract and the terms, making sure that you have enough money to float the, the length of the job, making sure that you understand the contract so that you aren't getting screwed on it. Very, very important points. That aspect of preparing, that extra preparation that goes into the bid, that's very, very informative. And I, and I look forward to uh, catching uh, Matt's topic because uh, he's going to go into further uh, depth on that and really help us out. Um, this episode of uh, PCA uh, or the of the Paint Ed Show can be found on PCA Overdrive. Um, go ahead and download that. And um, if you again, if you haven't registered for Expo, make sure you're there. Uh, it's a great, great place to be. Um, that's our show for today. Until next time, my name is Torlando. Go get the book. We'll see you guys later. This is Paint Ed. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.